the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together again. ProAmericaReport.com is where you can go and check out all of these uh, segments we do together. Uh, Go back in time, look at these great interviews, and follow up on all that. And of course, at ProAmericaReport.com, you can sign up for the daily email, the What You Need to Know, the Daily Wink. And that email comes out Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. East Coast time, 5 a.m. Pacific time. And it will give you what you need in terms of a couple of key uh, articles, a couple of key points. Sometimes this segment we're doing right now, but it'll sort of set the tone for your day on what you need to know, not just what you see on the websites, but what you need to know. So check it out, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there with your email address. Just sign up. I promise we don't um, trade your email address with other vendors or anything. We don't sell it. We just use it to sell it and send you the ProAmericaReport.com. All right. Uh, let me look down at one of these emails. I, I received an email after the show. I think it must have been on Wednesday because it was after the Dobbs case. And someone said, Ed, you didn't give us enough of what you thought happened in the Dobbs case. And I did a whole bunch of interviews. I did interviews across the country on radio stations, mostly a couple of TV talking about what I'd seen uh, or actually more accurately what I'd heard in the Dobbs oral arguments because... I did not listen live. I went back about lunchtime and went back to the beginning and listened to the uh, to the arguments, the oral arguments. They were not. I didn't watch. They weren't broadcast on TV anyway. It was just oral, uh, just uh, audio. But here's what you need to know about the Dobbs case. This is a little bit of a pullback from the actual case. Let's talk about what I'm observing that the media is trying to do to the debate about the Dobbs case and pro-life and how Republicans in power will be tempted to take the bait. Okay. What do I mean? What I mean is the coverage after the uh, Dobbs argument split off into two camps. I'm talking about the mainstream media, the fake news. And you can say you don't believe them and you probably don't believe them because you listen to this program. But a lot of us do. A lot of people get, we get, we get beaten down by the power, as we've talked about, of the narrative machine. Big tech, big media, and of course, big government. But, but see, you can say you don't believe them, but you have to observe what they're trying to do to persuade, to brainwash the country. Remember, half the country thinks that the Russia hoax happened. Because the media, fake news as well as uh, the fake news, big, uh, big media as well as big tech did that to us. So here's the two things I saw coming away from the uh, oral argument that I saw the big media and big tech doing. Number one is they're, they're trying to seize on the idea that the Roe v. Wade decision is old. It's been around for 50 years uh, why are why are these three new justices just on the bench in Trump's era? Why are they going to change 50 years? And the very simple answer to that is the one that uh, I think it was Alito did. Plessy v. Ferguson was a separate but equal 
U.S. constitutional ruling, excuse me, the U.S. Supreme Court ruling that said it was legal to discriminate against black people, separate but equal. And finally, Plessy v. Ferguson was thrown out because the nature of the Supreme Court is they get to review as the final judge, the final umpire. Now, but, but, but it's kind of effective. If you say to a normal person, do you want to change something that's been around for 50 years, even though the modern, the, the leftists like to tear down statues and all, the human psyche, our, our mindset, is that if something's been around for 50 years, it, well, we must be used to it. It must be okay. Why would we do that? So that's the first positioning that the media is doing. It's, it's saying, how can you change something that's been around so long? We're all used to it. It works because you got three appointees under Trump. And so it's a way to do a Trump thing as, a way, as, a, as well as play on the natural tendency for people uh, to, uh, to believe that things that have been around for a long time are, are, uh, are going to be something you want to keep in place or be careful to change. Well, the second thing is a little bit more devious, uh, but I, I do think it's really important uh, to know this. Notice this. The media has been quoting a series of polls that say that the American people believe that abortion should be a decision between the doctor and the patient. It shouldn't be a decision that, is, is that someone else gets in the middle of, whether it's a bureaucrat or a legislator or even a judge. But you see, that's, that's, that's I, I think I agree with the idea that medical decisions should be between a, a patient and his doctor. That's not what abortion's about, right? That's not what, and, and so what they're doing is conflating this sense that you should have control of your body and your life and you shouldn't be buffeted uh, by all, you know, other forces when it comes to these things and abortion, right? This is, this is a very simple decision. The question is whether you want to limit what the culture thinks is a, 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 a well, let's say it again. The question is simpler. Do you want to say that in the Constitution there's a right, a privacy right to abortion that can trump other considerations? Or do you think there's no such right and therefore you can limit abortion? But the, but the way it's being positioned, let me try to back out of this and be a little clearer, is it's positioning it as a very personal uh, decision and the media is pounding the message saying, oh, 70% of Americans think that the decision be, should be between a woman and her doctor. That's not the same thing as asking whether abortion is right or wrong or should be allowed or not. You do the same poll and take the same polling question and say, do you think you're pro-life? More and more young people say they're pro-life because they've seen the technology that shows the baby. But my point here is the media is sharp enough to know that they have. Remember, the decision in this case won't come down until June of 2022. So they have seven, eight, nine months to lay down a, a drumbeat of this is about you being empowered and you're, it's overstepping into the relationship between a doctor and a patient. And more and more people, seniors on down to young people, are aware, especially in the pandemic, of the importance of the relationship with their doctor. So I'm watching this. What you need to know is the media and big tech and the left are not playing a short game. They're not trying to win the debate about what happened in the Dobbs oral argument earlier this week. They're playing a long game to convince the public that if the Supreme Court, and by the way, the Supreme Court will be buffeted 
by the public opinion that they're seeing. You can say they won't and you hope they're not, but they will be. They'll be influenced. And what they're setting up is a political dynamic that will be a powder keg. And by the way, it's a business model, right? We've told you. Create a crisis, create tension, and people will come to CNN and MSNBC and even Fox News to see what it's about. They'll rush to get a dopamine hit on the internet. That's what you need to know. We'll talk more about this. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report, one of my favorite podcasts, and I, I was uh, gratified, I don't know, a year or so ago, uh, they took up uh, the late Phyllis Schlafly, her life, and Red Pilled America, which is what I'm talking about. Go to redpilledamerica.com. Uh, Patrick Caralci and his wife, Adriana Cortez, uh, founded this. They do great work, and I, I, I track them. I listen to them. I don't listen to every segment, I guess, but I listen to a lot of them. But I saw one, and I've now listened to it, called Awoken, about a week ago, and it's What Should America Learn from Chinese? capitalism and uh, i saw that i thought that's one more and more we're facing so let's catch up with patrick patrick how are you welcome back to the program how are things really good thank you so much for having me well it's great to have you. it's great to see your success and be encouraged again redpilledamerica.com you can find them everywhere podcasts are posted too so uh, I, patrick i want to ask you inside this one a question because i noticed that you had some great conversation uh, i guess um uh, previously with Greg Autry, a great writer that we have, we've known for a long time who uh, wrote a book with Peter Navarra, and then also Curtis Ellis, who's since deceased. So is that, do you, do you as a matter of art, uh, you know, do you mine your old stuff like that? Because it was very effective. To this, this piece, this was on China, and you were talking about you know, the, the, um, the um, book Feeding the Dragon, and you went back and got that. Is that a common thing in, in podcasting? It worked very well. You know, I, I try not to do that. We try not to do that too much. Um, but in this case, it made a lot of sense because we spoke to Chris Fenton. Uh, he's a you know, Hollywood producer. He's kind of known as the pioneer to opening up the Chinese market to Hollywood films. And he, yeah. uh, he wrote a book called Feeding the Dragon. And um, he, we, taught, we, we learned about his kind of awakening. And you, you hear it through the show. Um, he has this awakening of it. He's working directly with the Chinese uh, uh, government uh, on how to basically get these films in there because there's so many censorship kind of uh, hurdles that you have to go through. And so when we heard his story and about, you know, basically how, how China first started opening its market to uh, the United States, we had to we had to go back to this these interviews that we had with uh, Curtis Ellis and Greg Autry. And it just it made sense and kind of told the whole story of really, um, you know, America's uh, philosophy that kind of opened us up to to China and also kind of, you know, offshored all of our manufacturing and and uh, and, and what have you. So it, it made sense to do it in this case. I think it made the, the episode more powerful. Yeah, it, wor- it worked, is my point. You're right. I, I mean, it worked. And again, we're talking about uh, an episode 109, Awoken, it's called. What should America learn from Chinese capitalism? Uh, again, redpilledamerica.com. We're talking with one of the founders, uh, Patrick Caralci, his, his wife, uh, Adriana Cortez, also. Um, so to this segment, when I read about this, can Chris Fenton, who wrote this book and exposed all this, can he actually work in the field anymore? Or does he have to be retired? You know, that's a good question. He's pretty measured about how he talks about this stuff. But the Chinese market is so uh, the Chinese government is so um, 
uh, strict when it comes to this kind of thing. You know, we, we talk yeah. about this in the story, but in 2000, excuse me, 1997, there was this moment in Hollywood where Hollywood wasn't even, you know, thinking about China at all in regards to selling its movies out there. And there was this moment in, uh, in 1997 where Hollywood produced these three films that had very sensitive Chinese uh, uh, themes to them. And the Chinese, this was kind of the shot heard around the, around the world in Hollywood where China basically said, if you ever make films like these again, you will be cut off from our market forever. And at that time, uh, China had 1.2 billion uh, people. And so Hollywood got this, got the message. And But what happened at right. that time is that several of the filmmakers, uh, Richard Gere, for example, basically got banned from China forever. That's why you kind of don't see Richard Gere in a lot of big blockbuster movies where there's no shortage of, you know, 60-plus-year-old people in blockbuster movies. But, but you don't see Richard Gere, who was one time an A-lister, um, in uh, in Hollywood, yeah. a huge A-lister, the A-lister of, of A-listers, and so he his his career kind of fell off from that. Now he does a lot of independent films, but you kind of see through this through this moment that uh, how the strength of China and how they're able to use their market to not only you know kind of uh, become rich off American uh, off the American dollar, but also control the messaging uh, out globally, and they're able to tell other countries. If you do or say anything within your films that go against what we're trying to do here as a country, you will be banned forever. So to get to get to your question, question Chris, I, I I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he's at that in a, in a kind of like a high profile position to where, you know, like a Richard Gere or or a, or a Brad Pitt or, or what have you, that, to where they need to have that kind of retaliation. But um, it's definitely something I'm sure he's I'm sure he's thinking about it. It's, uh, and again, we're talking with uh, Patrick Crouchy, uh, the founder and the host and the producer and the creative guy with his wife, Adriana Cortez of Red Pilled America. Go to redpilledamerica.com or search for any of the places of podcasts. Um, does, you know, for me, I started to see this and I thought, okay, this is what I like about what you do, Patrick, because it's inside Hollywood, as opposed to what we definitely saw was like the NBA, right? When, when uh, Morley, I forget his first name now, he's the, um, the, the, um, General manager of the Philadelphia. Yes, Rockets. Yes, is it, he was the Rockets. Now he's over in Philadelphia. But he he said something. They they made him pull it back. LeBron basically said, you know, leave us alone. We don't want to think about it. Shut up and dribble or whatever on that issue, not on everything else. Um, so is Hollywood? I, I mean, it sounds like it's actually worse there. The Chinese money is so. But like, why isn't um in your estimation, why isn't like Netflix? And all these companies that are making so much money, why do they have to rely on the Chinese money too? Well, uh, in the in the year two thousand, about uh, the <clears throat> international box office for the first time uh, outperformed the American box office. And just to give you a little bit of a feel for it, when we wrote this piece a couple weeks ago, the top four movies in the world, um, out of the top four movies, three of them were Chinese uh, movies. Um, and they were only sold within the Chinese market. They didn't even have an international audience. That's how powerful that market is. Today, today Hollywood has, I think, 27% of our, of our box office comes from the United States. The rest comes from international markets. So I think that is why they, some of, there's so much kowtowing happening to China. But there is a big change happening right now. I think there is a shift happening. You're seeing it, some of it in the NBA and uh, China is also refusing to allow some of Hollywood movies into their country. 
So you're starting to see some hesitance now from Hollywood uh, to kind of kowtow to them. Uh, you, you'll start to see this. This is one of these issues that it should bring the right and the left together. We basically just uh, a, a, a virus was just unleashed on our country. We have supply right. chain issues. It all came from China. This should be one of these issues that we all come together with and just really push back on that country. And we're starting to see glimpses of that now. Uh, we're talking again with uh, Patrick Caralci, who is uh, one of the founders and creative minds behind uh, Red Pilled America, uh, redpilledamerica.com. Um, but having said that, you, what you just said, w- you know, we love the stuff. We love our stuff. We love our movies. We love our, um, you know, and most Americans don't realize, or at least they didn't. This is one of the things I think Trump doesn't get enough credit for. He did change the way people perceive China. But we, we love being able to buy a fourteen ninety nine chair to watch our kids play soccer. We love watching these massive Marvel movies. I mean, Americans do writ large. And most people don't really um, check in on how it's played out. They don't really notice that Red Dawn was going to be redone with Chinese uh, soldiers and they made him into North Koreans or whatever it was. I mean, I, you know, so when you do a, a, a show like this, and again, we're talking about a um, podcast called Awoken, What Should America Learn from Chinese Capitalism? Episode 109 it was from about a week and a half ago. When you do something like this, do you get the reaction that matches what you feel is the energy of the moment? I think we do. I mean, I, I, our whole uh, philosophy of this show is really that's the power of storytelling to kind of move culture. And so we produce this show with that in mind. Hollywood and the left completely understand this. This is why they have, over the course of the last 40 or 50 years, monopolized storytelling because they understand that it shifts cultural opinions towards their causes. So that's why we do a sh- why we do our show and why we are you know uh, kind of evangelists for others to to kind of create this kind of content, whether it be filmmaking, whether it be fiction novels, whether whether it be podcasts like ours, music, art, what have you. These are the things that shift people's minds towards cultural movements. And so you know, I, I think at the end of the day, the more we produce things like this. And the more because stories are the things that kind of stick in people's minds. It's how human beings retain information is through stories. So I think the more that we tell these kinds of stories, the more we're going to start to awaken people uh, to these issues. And I, it's it's so obvious, with especially with a, a place like China, what America needs to do. We need to bring back you know our our manufacturing. We need to to look at these people. We need to basically look at. Capitalism, patriotism needs to come before capitalism. And I think, you know, we're seeing glimpses of that now. At the end of the day, we might have, you might be able to buy a $14.99 chair, but the, the, right. the, the flip side is that now is that we have all of these supply chain issues. We're gonna, we had to basically influx the government, excuse me, the economy with tons of money. So now we're having inflation. So that $14.99 chair is not $14.99. It's, we're, we're starting to see kind of, you know, right. what these policies have done to the United States over the course of the last 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. The trick is, I mean, I agree with you. And that's why I think it's powerful is to tell in the story so people understand it so they can uh, they can adjust how they think about it. They th- Instead of thinking, oh, that's cheap. They say, yeah, that's not right. So it's a heck of a, as you point out, a heck of a challenge. All right. I've got to run. Also, I'll put up on social media. Patrick Caralci is up on his Twitter feed, which is at Caralci. Uh, also red pilled at red pilled underscore USA and uh, uh, Adriana's too. I'll put it all up on social media. Thank you, Patrick, for the time. As always, this segment is the podcast is Awoken. I recommend it. What should America 
learn from Chinese capitalism, Red Pilled America. Go to redpilledamerica.com and see more. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you so much, Ed. I really appreciate it. All right. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I thought it was time we catch up with our old friend Andrew Pollack. Uh, he, of course, has um, would have traded every minute of the fame that he received because his daughter, Meadow, was murdered at Parkland. Uh, but he, a, even through that suffering, he uh, one of the things he did was set up an organization called the School Safety Grant. It's been around a while now, and it gives out its mission is to uh, make sure that there is an opportunity when there is a way to give money to folks to make schools safer and to be a leader on that and it's uh, working pretty well and if you go to schoolsafetygrant.org schoolsafetygrant.org you can find out more about that so first of all Andy great catching up how are you doing oh pretty good I'm uh, living in Oregon I know everyone asks me how I moved to Oregon it's so uh, left uh, leaning but uh, I live in a rural county and uh, I Uh own about 750 acre ranch and working wow. on it, keeping myself busy. That's what I do. I'm keeping busy Good. and Good. working with uh, law enforcement throughout the whole country. There. Yeah. Well, and I see it on your Twitter feed at Andrew Pollock FL at the end at Andrew Pollock FL. Of course, he's from uh, Florida for so many years. So you can go there. And his book is uh, is um, Why Meadow Died. It's really uh, a well done book. And uh, I'm I'm embarrassed. I can't remember your co author because he's a good dude too. But uh, yeah, but Matt, um, let me Matt ask Stevens. Matt. Yeah. Yeah, Matt Stevens. So let me ask you, though, a lot of attention, a lot of attention in in these days to parents getting annoyed with schools, whether it's CRT or just seeing what the schools are doing and getting motivated. And it looks like in Virginia, for example, but also up on Long Island, uh, New Jersey, people were just dissatisfied. And one of the issues was, I think they saw these schools, what the schools were doing and all. First of all, it, 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 it sometimes it seems to me parents get mad for a while and it doesn't stick. They think, well, I put my kid in this public school. It's probably pretty safe and they probably don't do terrible things there. It, it worries me that sometimes parents kind of move on off this issue. Does that worry you? Well, it happened. You know, after Parkland, uh, I got involved because I, uh, I saw all the many failures and the policies that yeah. were brought the Broward County in the school board. And in 2018, when my daughter was murdered, uh, I got involved to try and change things and fix it in Broward. And we had a school board candidate that we put up that really wanted to make a difference. And a lot of parents did get involved and try and help, but a lot of them were silent on the sidelines. Uh, For me, it started in 2018 going after these school boards uh, and trying to just show parents how how these how they take over the the public school system the left the democrats took yeah. over public education throughout the whole country and parents are starting to wake up and really i i'd love to see it because for years ed everyone's like you know i did the school board race thing and i'm like i'm pretty much done with it but people yeah. write me and say well my kid this is going on in the public school and uh they're getting bullied and, and, and the kids are getting arrested and nothing's happening. Well, you know, you got options, I would tell parents. You can't, the way things were going, you can't keep your kids in these big mega public school districts. 
like the one in mm-hmm. Loudoun, like Broward, like Miami, and, and other big public school districts because, you know, parents don't get involved enough with the school board members on who's running. And when I tell people it's more important, your local elections are more important than who's in the White House if you have children going to school and you're involved in the community. It, it's so important. And I, I'm happy to see parents get waking up and going to these school board meetings and demanding answers. And maybe they're finally waking up, Ed. Then my daughter got murdered. Nobody woke up. Maybe now, yeah. you know, maybe it took a few years, you know, and it's finally uh, finally coming into fruition that parents are get, uh, waking up to what's going on in these public schools. We're talking with Andrew Pollack, and again, I'll put up on social media his website, his website, which is his organization, which is called SchoolSafetyGrant.org. Also on Twitter, he's at at Andrew Pollack uh, FL. I agree with you, and I, you know, I tell people sometimes, like there was a moment about two years ago, three years ago, where people got energized, maybe four, about Common Core. We're going to fight Common Core. We're going to get it, and then it kind of yeah. went away, and then people went on with their lives. And and my point here is it, the sustained effort to to actually change things is what's happening. Now I want to pause and shift gears because you have taught me something in your book and also in our interviews that I want to come back to because I'm not sure I've asked you since Biden won and basically it's another term of the Obama policies whether it's Susan Rice in the White House Lisa Monaco in the Department of Justice the people the hacks that are over in the education department but what you taught me Andrew was that uh, the Obama administration had a whole set of rules that made it so that we couldn't you couldn't get uh, the kids violent offenders out of the schools. Forget about transgender bathrooms. Forget about, I mean, I'm not saying forget about it. I care about it too, yeah. but these rules that allow the violent kids to not be thrown out. It's, and I, I'll tell you the corollary, the, 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 the connection I draw. Right now we have people that are homeless that are mentally not able to function and we're letting them rot on the streets. We, and we ought to have enough courage to say, we respect you enough. We're going to get you off the streets or institutionalize you. And in the case of somebody that's violent in a school, I'm sorry, your education priority, it's not a right that supersedes the, the safety of your, of your neighbors. If you're a disturbed kid, that's life. And you got to get the hell out of the schools. But you taught me Obama made it so you couldn't get these kids out. I assume Biden is doing the same stuff. Is it as bad as it was? Uh, I, you know, nothing's changed in Broward with a lot of uh, things, but nothing has really changed with, with violence in the public schools and the amount of times they're allowed to commit crimes going to school. But certain, you know, there, there are things changing, like in Florida now they're forced to report it where they can't hide it. You know, when my daughter was in uh, school, they were able to hide, you know, that the killer actually was frisked every morning before he went to school, but no one knew it. Uh, you didn't know how many uh, assaults there were in the school. You didn't know how many uh, drug dealings there were in the school. So I could speak for Florida that now it's a law that they can't hide it and it's public knowledge uh, to how many crimes and, and what's going on in the public schools. But to tell you the truth, if I'm a parent, I'll, I'll, I would sell a kidney to get my child into uh, a private school, a charter school, home school, uh, anything but what's going on in some of these public schools. Uh, I would do anything I could possible to get my daughter out uh, if she was alive. I, there's no way I would send my child. There's no shot in hell one of my grandkids is going to a public school. I'll tell you that much. 
Uh, we're talking with Andrew Pollock and again, a school safety grant. Tell me a little bit more about know, school I, safety grant. Yeah, I'm gonna, you yeah. know, I have to correct you because before you said when Biden won, is there anyone actually think that Biden <laughs> won? You know what I mean? The guy didn't cheat. The guy was in his basement campaign and he can't stay right. awake. He takes a nap every day at about three. You know, there's no yeah. way the guy won. I, I, I don't, I don't right. think any, there's anyone out there that really believes it. But my school safety grant really, uh, is geared toward law enforcement. If you have any law enforcement officers or anyone in deputies in the country, I urge you to go on schoolsafetygrant.org. Uh, what, what we do is we link police departments to any mass gathering, whether it be a church, a mall, a hospital. What we do is we give the police a certain software, okay? So if there's a 911 situation in a hospital, Someone could tap an app on their phone or call 911 or hit a panic button in the hospital. Within five seconds, in the real-time crime center, the, the dispatchers could see every camera in that hospital. It interfaces hmm. with the mapping system, so the dispatcher could look at a camera and, know and pinpoint exactly what floor, what, what hallway it is in the hospital to send the first responders there. It gives them the ability to speak over a PA and open and unlock doors. It's a it's amazing mm. software, and we're giving it to law enforcement for free. And we're in churches, temples. Uh, we're going into the, the Panther hockey team where they practice. We're connecting the law enforcement to the Panthers. Uh, we're doing. We're working with malls, and it's just an amazing thing because nine. If you think of nine one one, Ed, it's like. In the Stone Age, the dinosaur age, 911, someone has to dial their phone and then speak to an operator and tell them where they are if they even know where they are. Now, all you, with my software, you just tap the app, or when you call 911, you don't even have to say anything. The dispatcher will look. It'll light up in the crime center every camera where that person is and tell them exactly where to go. If there's a real fire, if there's not a fire, if there's a shooting, how many shooters. And what's great is... Hmm. Uh, an officer could get right on the PA system and the movie theater in a church and tell the tell the shooter we're, we're in route, we're in the lobby, drop your weapon. You know, most of the time they kill themselves or they run. So it saves hmm. minutes off response time, which for me, it, it's about saving lives. And, and that's what I'm all about hmm. now. Wow, that's a that's a great description. Again, it's uh, schoolsafetygrant.org, schoolsafetygrant.org. Um, a- Andrew Pollock, thank you. Hey, I'm already out of time, but I'm glad to catch up with you. I'm glad you're doing well. I have to tell you that a lot of us just like to hear your voice and hear your uh, energy because it's such a tragedy that we when you, when I think about you, I, I get a, 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 a hole in my gut, and then I talk to you and I feel better like we're going forward and everything's going to turn out well. So uh, thanks for coming thanks, with Ed. us, being on with us. Anytime, Ed. All right, everybody. Yep. Good deal. Good deal. All right, we'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com to listen to these segments again or to sign up for the daily email. I'll be right back. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, a constitutional attorney and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. 
Every few years, a new group of self-important politicians who think they are smarter than the founding fathers meet in secret to plot to rewrite parts of the U.S. Constitution in order to make it easier for the politicians to dictate our choice of president. A bunch of these powerful movers and shakers met for this purpose in the Mayflower Hotel in Washington, D.C. on December 5, 1986, where the participants worked out a plan to change the U.S. into a parliamentary form of government, like many European governments. This Mayflower group even referred to themselves as the Parliamentary Government Group. This was no ragtag bunch of nobodies. The group included some of the most influential men in America, former Secretary of Defense Robert McNamara, former Secretary of the Treasury Douglas Dillon, Senator J. William Fulbright, and the Republican Governor of Pennsylvania. This secret meeting at the Mayflower Hotel, as I said, took place on December 5, 1986, and was reported exclusively by me in my weekly newspaper column. Other news sources didn't touch it. I guess my report caused enough questions to be asked of the powers that be that they finally allowed this news to be reported by the New York Times a month later. This is just one example of how the kingmakers plot secret plans to rewrite the U.S. Constitution. They do something similar every few years, and a group of liberals are even now making another attempt to rewrite our Constitution by calling a constitutional convention. You can read more about secret meetings to bypass the grassroots and select our presidents behind closed doors in the 50th anniversary edition of my book called A Choice, Not an Echo. This book has stood the test of time and is the essential guide for freedom-loving Americans who want to make a difference. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we think it's time to take Washington back from the power brokers. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're organizing a grassroots movement to stand against the deep state bureaucrats who control government. For the latest strategies, go to phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Well, if you're like my kids, you don't want to hear any talk of uh, Christmas this early. My kids have a, a, a an, an informal rule that they don't want to hear Christmas music until after Thanksgiving, but they don't even want to talk about Christmas stuff like shopping and all until December turns, no matter what. So this is their rule. I don't know why my kids decide to have this rule, but that's uh, where they are. So, But I'm breaking that rule. I'm breaking that rule right now because I want to tell you about a very cool opportunity if you go to uh, phyllisschlafly.com, I'll put it up on social media. There's a link there, and there we have a Christmas sale going on. Now, what's very cool about Phyllis Schlafly, the late Phyllis Schlafly, I mean, not just very cool about her. She was an amazing lady, but what is amazing, one of the amazing things about her is she was an incredible writer. And so we have already published volume after volume of her books. We call them Phyllis Schlafly Speaks. And you go on, on patents, on pro-life, on Donald Trump, 
uh, all there. And again, you go to this website, you can follow this. Also, there's um, the first reader, very popular. Phyllis Schlafly wrote a reading manual for children to read back in the day, I don't know, about 15, 20 years ago. It's very popular these days. It's called The First Reader, and there's a First Reader workbook. Uh, you can find that there. You can also, there's tote bags, Phyllis uh, Schlafly tote bags, leather uh, pad, pad folio. We actually have a copy. Uh, the other day, you may remember, I appeared on Larry Elder's um, uh, radio show. And in the midst of all the different kind of appearances I made, I have acquired over the years some of the key books of folks uh, like Larry Elder. His book is A Lot Like Me, at tw- uh, out in 2018 in paperback, about his relationship with his father. Phenomenal book. You buy that there. We've got some uh, uh, David Horowitz books, autographed uh, books that are around. We also have uh, Brian Kilmeade, uh, his book on uh, Thomas Jefferson and the Tripoli Pilots. Pilots. Pirates. If you uh, are upset they took down Thomas Jefferson's uh, a statue up in New York City. Here's a chance. This is a great history. Anyway, all of this is at this website. You can go there and check it out. Lots of books, including my uh, my uh, comic, excuse me, coloring books. Can't trump this Kofefe. There's a Christmas version. Uh, the most, the, the best book I can recommend. Really important for you to read is Phyllis Schlafly's book, A Choice, Not an Echo, which she updated in 2014. It was a a runaway uh, multi, sold I think almost 2.5 million copies in 1964. Well, all those years later, uh, um, 50 years later, she published an updated version and it gives you the best description of what's going on behind the scenes in the Republican Party and why it's so important to do that. So check it out. If you go, there's lots of gifts. About, oh, I want to meant to mention, there's also called the Turbo Reader. Phyllis, when she did the uh, first reader, she then did a, a Turbo Reader, which allowed people to uh, uh, a different level of reading you can get there. So another favorite of mine is Who Killed the American Family? Uh, extraordinary book written in 2014. You should get that. And then one last one I'll finish on. It's called The Supremacist. And it's uh, Phyllis writing about the importance, the tyranny of judges and how to stop it, the importance of the fight over judges. So a lot there. If you go again for Christmas, all these books, there's no supply chain problems. <laughs> there's no issues. You can sign uh, buy these books now. We'll get them to you. In just a few days, you'll get them for Christmas, and there really is something for everybody. If you have somebody that loves the pro-life movement, there's really nothing like uh, Volume 3 of Phyllis Schlafly Speaks. It's called, its subtitle is How the Republican Party Became Pro-Life, and it marches through how Phyllis Schlafly was able uh, to um, shape the platform of the Republican Party. It's an extraordinary history. It's got a description of, uh, of of tactics to get it done. It's got description of the people that were against it. It's really great. Um, another book, by the way, that I recommend uh, to you is uh, if you have somebody who is a young person who's interested in being a speaker uh, and uh, speaking professionally, we put together, in fact, Phyllis picked this out before she died. The very first volume of her uh, writings is called Phyllis Shafley Speaks, Volume 1, Her Favorite Speeches. She pulled out a set of her favorite speeches, and we published them. And they're on every subject. They're on the military. They're on life issues. They're on patents. They're on the uh, the um, economy, uh, education. Uh, one of her favorite topics, of course, the Constitution. She writes on that uh, in there. So that's a great one. And I, I've actually given that book uh, quite a few times to young people, our collegians, uh, or someone that I know that just is interested in politics and policy, uh, to show um, she 
Phyllis Schlafly was a writer her whole life, and she attributed the fact that she could write, uh, that she wrote well and worked hard at it, to helping her think clearly. You, you cannot be a loose thinker if you're writing all the time. You cannot, you just can't do it. And so she attributed that. And she wrote an extraordinary amount uh, in her long life. In fact, if you go to phyllisschlafly.com, you can see the button for the, uh, for the sale. But also, I'd recommend that you go there and you can look at her Phyllis Schlafly reports. Uh, she wrote so many um, essays, so many columns, and so many uh, reports. They called her PS Reports. It was a monthly report. I- I- incredible uh, discipline, incredible cl- uh, clarity. And as I often tell people, I can go back and look over the 50 year period where she was writing so frequently, I can go back and look and I can track down almost any topic, uh, anything that was, you know, in the news she had written about uh, in some way. And her take is almost always uh, not just, it's not that it's unique. She didn't do things just to make it different, but it was, um, she had a way of seeing things. Uh, that was different than most people. And so you could go and figure that out. So com to find out more. And uh, you want to sign on and you want to uh, pick up some gifts. And by the way, the proceeds go, of course, to our work at uh, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. So it supports us there. All right. So there's some Christmas gifts. If you need a gift to thank uh, Noah Dingley, our great producer, you can go there. Or Joanna Spilger, our great uh, assistant producer who helps book these guests, go there and get them a gift. You can do it there. So uh, more of that on social media. Thank you for listening. We will be back uh, tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on a ProMark Report. Talk to you then. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 